What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone welcome into another episode of kentucky daily a daily podcast covering your university of kentucky wildcats i'm your host sean smith founder and editor of gobigbluecountry.com joined on the other end of the mic is Derek terry of the cat's paws Derek, let's uh let's knock out a full week of this thing yeah we've made it to friday we have and and i don't know we say a daily podcast Derek, but right now there's not enough news daily to record five episodes a week, but I'm actually proud that we've been able to knock out four episodes this week. And then if you actually five and seven days, because we recorded last Friday when the SEC schedule come out. So I, I think we've done a pretty good job. We found a way to, to make it work with, you know, I guess the Kenny Payne stuff helps fill some UK news, but you know, even today's episode, you know, we're having to kind of be creative with some of the things that we're doing to, to fill some time, but you know, as you were talking about in the last few podcasts, we finally made it onto Apple, though. We made it. Yeah, we did. And okay. and it's kind of it was groundbreaking news, too, because uh, I didn't even know that we made it onto Apple. Uh, I was actually texting Jack Pilgrim, who had listened to our episode from KSR, and I was like, man, I wish they'd put us on Apple Podcasts. It's kind of annoying me. And he's like, what are you talking about? He said, that's where I listened. He sent me a screenshot. And there was like four or five other people had already said, yeah, I listened to your episode. Uh, with Nate Sestina on Apple Podcasts. So here I was pretty sure gripping to you yesterday morning that we weren't on Apple, but we were on there the entire time. But I was waiting on an email, but I guess I should just check for myself. So yeah, you all that are listening, if you're still listening on Podbean, you can go listen on Apple Podcasts now. Leave us a review, hopefully five stars. Uh, if it's not five stars, tell us, please tell us why. That way we can fix it and maybe your review review will change in the future. And then we'll be on Spotify too. After this episode, we'll be able to uh, publish there. So Spotify, Google, Google play, all those uh, podcast players, we will be on those probably by Monday. Uh, so Derek, uh, just in time, people can listen to a full week's worth. I know there are some people that were waiting to get Apple and then listen to all of them at once. So the numbers are going up again, which we thank you tremendously for. Yeah. Like he said, subscribe, rate us. Hopefully you like it. And like he said, if not, I think we list our Twitter and email pretty much on every single episode. So it shouldn't be hard to reach out to us and, and let us uh, have some feedback. Yeah. And, be- and before we get into this, I, I do want to throw out something too. If you are interested in advertising, please reach out to us. Uh, my email is gobigbluecountry at gmail.com or you can reach at uh, kentuckydaily at gmail.com if you prefer that email. Uh, Derek, same thing with you, your email and stuff. I think what Derek, Terry17 at Gmail. Is that, Correct, is that your yeah. email? Okay. I, I've typed that in so much to Zoom now that I kind of know it. But um, we're going to start reaching out to some advertising. So there will be some advertisers and sponsors within the podcast. It will flow. We'll have breaks and uh, be a very clean audio podcast that we're looking forward to uh, five days a week. I'm pretty excited about it. Hopefully, we get to have some college football. Uh, but, Derek, let's start right there. It, since we started this podcast a week ago today, 
there has been enough change and news around college football that I feel like we've already played an entire season just because of how, how much things have changed. I mean, we got a schedule a week ago today, mm-hmm. and then it looked like the season would be done within three days. Now it, it changed a little bit, but now I, I still don't know how I feel about it. But at least as it stands, the Big 12, the ACC, and the SEC as the Power Five conferences, everything's moving forward as planned, but that could change. It can. Um, kind of seemed like there might have been some fireworks yesterday. Some of those tweets coming out about the Florida State president having an ACC meeting to maybe make a final decision. But as far as I could tell, nothing even came from that meeting. Uh, news, news-wise, news nothing ever came out of it. They're still on the same path that they've been on, which is the same as the SEC and the Big 12 and that they plan to play. Um, kind of seems like to me the next step is getting everyone back on campus, which I believe UK starts classes next week. So – Supposed to start practice next week. We'll see if they do. Uh, either way, you know, I guess they'll have to see how how the cases go or how how things are handled once the the general population of the student body is back on campus. Because as it is right now, I mean, they've they've kept a pretty good job uh, keeping kids safe in the bubble that they have over. On, I call it a bubble, but you know, everybody's being tested. Everyone's being monitored pretty closely over at the football facility. You know, once these kids get, start going to classes in person and things like that, we'll see if uh, if that changes. But, I mean, Sean, I don't know. They've invested so much into this. I don't I think it might have made more sense. And maybe most of the kids are doing this. It might have made more sense to just have everybody kind of take online classes if it was available, at least for the football team. You know, I know that kind of differentiates them, but let's be real. They're already a lot different anyway than the general student body. So. They are. And that's a good point, too. We're really going to know – within the next 10 to 14 days, I think, where we stand with college football. I feel like that there's no I – don't, I don't see this getting to September and then a decision being made. I think that it's going to be made before – now, let's say they make a decision to play. That doesn't mean that in September things can't change. I'm just saying, like, that initial decision to play will come before September just because we're going to know – I mean, there's thousands of students that are going to be back on campus. They already are. I think they already had move-in day for some the last few days so there's going to be a lot of people in Lexington it's going to be far different than what it was with just the football team and the volleyball team and stuff like that on campus and then that's another thing too the NCAA did make the decision you know there's no fall sports in the SEC this season I what did you think about about that not really surprised honestly no I mean football's hope is one it's incredibly popular and two the money you know is basically necessary for a lot of these schools. And I feel bad for the, for the kids in volleyball who work just as hard and the other fall sports, the kids who put, you know, they kind of devoted their life to that sport and they don't get a chance to play this year. And really, I mean, it's kind of flown under the radar somewhat. I don't think you're going to get too many people who are disappointed that that, that those sports aren't happening, but football is always going to be the sport that's going to kind of ground it out to the very end and see what can happen. And, for, for Craig Skinner, I mean, the volleyball program at UK now is turned into every year. It's like they're an annual contender for at least being the Sweet 16. And he was probably going to have another good team this year. And I feel bad that they won't get the chance to play and compete. And I mean, going back to that, too, I mean, with it doesn't sound like the NCAA is going to sanction a national championship this year oh. in football. So, I mean, if there's going to be, if they do get through a season, I wonder if those three conferences, if, if those are the three that are still standing by the end of the season, if they try to do their own thing or if it's, hey, you know, we played 10 games and 
we can play an SEC championship. I know they already have that on the schedule, but after that, is is that kind of it? Or I don't know. It's kind of awkward, I think, with three teams, <laughs> or you know, if they played all the conference champions, because you, you might need one more to to actually play a playoff. But I don't know. I mean, the ramifications of that could be kind of fascinating if they went ahead and broke off and did their own thing. I mean, where does that leave the NCAA in the future? I don't know. I mean, these are things that will not be answered for for months. I don't even know the planning that would that would go into to hold an event like that. I would say the main focus right now is just getting this ball rolling and even getting it started. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Craig Skinner and his volleyball team, and that is a program that has been one of the top volleyball programs in NCAA. Uh, what, three straight SEC championships for that team? They had a lot of talent coming back. Hopefully that those teams, they, they have an answer, possibly get to play in the spring. I don't know. I, I'm hoping because – they put in just as much work too as some of these other these other programs and things and these other sports. So hopefully, there are some answers in the spring for them. Uh, Derek, I think I don't know if we talked about this on on the podcast yet, but I know you and I've talked on the phone. Regardless of what happens over the next month, next couple of months, college sports has changed forever. When this is over with, even when this virus is gone, like we're going to see a lot of change around college athletics. We have to. Yeah, I mean, it brings me to the point of I don't know if you saw today Syracuse, some of their players. It sounds like they're they're ready to give up on the season. I don't know if you'd seen that yet, I but seen that they, they don't feel comfortable with the safety protocols. And according to the report that I read, they don't think the season's going to even happen anyway. So that's something that could happen as early as this afternoon. You know, this might be something you listen to. Perhaps it's already happened by the time you hear this podcast. But that seemed imminent. Um, the ACC, if that's the only team that decides not to play with Notre Dame, I mean, you have to change the schedules again, obviously, because Syracuse is on those. But Notre Dame is basically an ACC team this year. So you'd still have 14. It shouldn't change things, I guess, too, too much. You just have to – well, I guess it would be a logistical nightmare, really. I mean, they just sent out their schedules last week, I think. So you'd have to change that around. But I'll be curious to see if that's the only team that does that or if there are some other teams that get that way. I'm not – read any reports of SEC teams not feeling safe. I guess both both that we've read about in the last few days are ACC teams, with Florida State being the other one. I believe that was yesterday. Some players got on Twitter and weren't happy with the way things were being conducted. Yeah, and, and I don't want us to – I don't want people to think that we're sitting here just being pessimistic about things being played. I mean, we you want to things to be played. Though. You do. That's, that's, that's what I'm trying to say is we want things to be played safely. I mean, because it's our job. But at the same time, like, if you're sitting there and you're just oblivious to all this and you're thinking, no, nah, it's playing, and you're just dead set that it's getting played no matter what happens, then you're, one, you're just you're living in a pop dream right now because there's so much changing daily that we just don't know. It looks good for a moment, then it looks bad. Right now, I mean, it looks okay because obviously there's nothing coming out. The SEC is preaching patience, so that's that's encouraging, but – a week from now, Derek, things could be changed. I mean, we could have positive news Monday and Tuesday, and then it could just flip on on its top by next week. And, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just – it's hard because I feel like that's the life we've been living since March is – I know this, too. Fans – and you and I talked about this. When we lost the NCAA tournament and all that stuff, the NBA was pre- press pause, we were looking forward to college football. That was the – I think that was the end goal in mind was like – can things be okay by then? And we've talked about college football. But now that it's becoming a thing where there's so much uncertainty around it, it, 
it is kind of depressing to sit back and sort of just watch all this unfold, just hoping that we play football. Not really having an end in sight, I think it's, it's tough for me. I know it's probably tough for a lot of people that, I mean, when this pandemic started, I don't know that obviously none of us have lived through a pandemic. Um, so it's hard to know when it would end. And I think the hope was back in March that really the only things that would be affected were the NCAA tournaments and things like that, that it was kind of like, okay, let's, that, that sucks that they won't get to play it this year. But things will be back, you know, in the fall or whatever. Maybe baseball will be played this summer. And it has been, not without some major challenges. But, you know, the NBA has shown that it's possible. And the MLS, too. I don't want to leave them out. But the bubble works. So there's some hope, I think. And I think we're going to talk about this later in the podcast. But there is some hope, I guess, for college basketball that if they can get to a point where they can have an NCAA tournament, you can find a way to make that work since you know the bubble works. But with football, there is no – there's no precedent for this. I know the SEC wants to wait for the NFL to see what happens. NFL teams are practicing right now. I do know that. And, I mean, there's college, there's college football teams practicing. UK hasn't started yet, but other – I know Louisville's practicing, so. Was it – which program – was it South Alabama that went full pads and scrimmage yesterday? Did you see that? I didn't see that. But, no, I mean, no, I, I saw some tweets about Tulane's coach, so that would tell you that, you know, I think – well, that's different. Sure. But at the same time, I mean, yeah, there's their teams out there practicing and going about it. Uh, UK is on join them next week. I think Tuesday is the start of practice, or maybe Monday, one of those two days. But if you can get through that, I mean, I, at this point, I don't know how you feel about it. I, if I think they can get to the first game of the year, I really do. I think unless there are some kind of some more details that come out about the virus, I, I feel like the researchers and everyone who's uh, treating this disease, I think. They've got a pretty good grasp on it for, for now. I mean, there's always going to be potential long-term things that can come out, but with the heart condition, I think they're on top of that. And if these leagues can set a plan for that, then maybe they can make it work. But I'll be – it would be kind of fascinating to see. And I don't really use the word fascinating in terms of what could happen to people. That's not fascinating. But just how, how it's going to evolve if they do get it going. Can, can they finish the season? Is Does it turn out that it's safer than we thought it would be? Does it turn out that – does it happen, you know, one week and we say, okay, this is not going to work. But I just hope that they can have a chance to play. I hope that they can get a couple of games in and reassess from there. And, of course, the main thing is everybody stay safe. And I hope that's the overriding theme is, is that they can play. But if not, hopefully there's not too much damage done. I can confirm that it was the South Alabama football team that scrimmaged in full pads yesterday. Cole Kubik actually was the one that put the uh, picture up. So that, so that is interesting to see where some programs are and some programs aren't. It's it's just wild. There's so many differences right now. Uh, but, Derek, you, you mentioned a bubble. And, you know, we've mentioned the NBA and the WNBA. They, they've shown that it can be done. I mean, clearly it's different when it's professional and it's an NCAA student athlete. But if we get to a point with college football – or college basketball, sorry – that this thing could be played, the NCAA tournament, John Calipari – showed support of it possibly being played in a bubble. He was on uh, ESPN Radio's The Intersection last night, and he was talking about it. And he he's another one of these coaches. I think that's something that we've seen across the country, across different conferences. All these coaches think that their, their teams, their players, are safer on campus. Uh, but it's interesting to see that, you know, Cal comes out, what, six months before, seven months before the NCAA tournament, and he's – I think he's already – preparing that that's the only way possible that this thing could be played 
is in a bubble in March. And he even said, Hey, if it's not as long as it usually is, if everybody's in a bubble, you just, you just go home when you lose. I mean, so clearly if you send 68 teams to it, it's going to be cut in half pretty quickly. Yeah. I don't know that you would need to have that many teams either um, to keep it, you know, keep the numbers down, but 68 seems like a lot for uh, for any kind of city to hold. Uh, I would think I don't know what a number would be that would minimize it, but the decision process or whatever they got some time to figure that out. But I I think I agree with Cal. I mean, the NBA showed that it works. You had how many teams were 22 NBA teams went to that something? I know not every yeah. team was there. Yeah, so, I think it was. I think it there were five additional teams from the west and like one from the east. Could you play it there? I mean, you know, the NBA will be done by then, right? I mean, could you play it in Disney? They they have the infrastructure. It seems like to to hold something Man, like that. That's been a success, though. Uh, that has been just the way that that whole thing is shake you know shaking out. The, even the WNBA side. I mean, there no positive test. They don't leave. If somebody does have to leave, there's a clear protocol in place for the how they reenter. Uh, now the NBA is going to allow – how many people is it per party? Is it like three or four people? Uh, yeah, I saw that story. I didn't read it, but I saw the tweet that they're uh, close close people, right? Close family, yeah. things like that. I, w- I mean, it's it's wild to think that, honestly, the NBA has taken – I just think they've taken over the, the market right now with sports, the way they've handled it. That basketball, whether you're a fan of the NBA or not, if you have sat down and watched any of that, it has been very good basketball almost every game. I mean, it's been, like, high competitive. Like, last night's game with Portland and uh, – who were they playing? Uh, Portland and Brooklyn. Portland and Brooklyn, you know, deciding if Portland was going to be playing the play-in game with Memphis. Just very good competitive basketball. So, I'm – hey, if, if that's how we get the NCAA tournament, I mean, wow. Not not to derail this thing, but how did the Suns go 8-0 and still not make the playoffs? Why were they even there? You know, I brought, I brought that up uh, last night that – could you find a team any in any sport, professional sport, that has ended their season on an eight-game winning streak and not made the playoffs? I, if you can find one, I'd be surprised. Eight straight wins and you can't make the playoffs. You, you mentioned a good point. Why were they there? But obviously, they had to have some. I mean, they pretty much were perfect and still didn't get in. That seems like they had to, and I've not read any details. I've, I've not watched a ton of the NBA. Nothing against it. I'm, I, I do enjoy watching the NBA. I just haven't. Usually I'll watch the Reds lose if there's, you know, I know a bunch of people are tweeting about the basketball game last night, but it was at the same time the Reds were playing. So typically I'll watch them or turn it off and watch Shark Tank or something like that. But uh, either way, I feel bad for the Suns that they went 8-0 and so didn't get in. It seems like a lot had to go against them. But, um, no, I think – I don't know what the number of teams would be, but that would be cool. And like, like Cal said, if the team loses, you don't have to hang around. You can go. They'll limit the amount of people there. You could probably play a tournament like that and just a, I don't know, maybe one day in between games, something like that. Yeah. And if you only have 32 teams or whatever, you could you could play it pretty quickly. And that would be a way to, to, to decide a winner. And I know that it's going to be a top priority, I would say, for the NCAA um, for all, really, all spring sports. And I guess uh, basketball is considered a winter sport. But I, I think their top priority will be able to – have the Frozen Four for hockey, have the College World Series for baseball, have the National Championship for basketball, the Final Four. I think those are things that they certainly don't want kids to have to miss out on twice, whereas with football in the fall, like we've already mentioned, the NCAA doesn't really have a hand in it anymore, it doesn't seem. But 
at the very least, at least these kids still have hope to play their season, and they've not had to miss one yet. And obviously no one wants them to have to miss it, but you really feel for the kids who play basketball or, or hockey or these other sports that already have lost one opportunity to, to compete for a national championship. You don't want to see them uh, lose it again. Yeah, and, and Cal mentioned too, the end of his quote here is you're talking a team of 12 and probably a party of 22. So it's totally different than most of the other sports. So with basketball, it is fewer people involved. I guess the one thing that I would ask is, you know, an NCAA tournament location, how, how do you split up practice times at facilities and, and things like that? I don't know. I mean, obviously the NBA is making it work with 22 teams, so I'm sure that they can make it work NCAA too. I mean, they, they do it with sites anyhow when teams are – um, what eight teams per site for the first round of the NCAA exactly. tournament, and they they make things work even if they have to go to different facilities. So I'm sure there's some some things there that can that that can be in in favor of happening. But I think the biggest concern is how do you play the games before the NCAA tournament? Where's the regular season? How that's handled? But right now, Derek, it's too early to speculate on anything with college basketball. We just got to hold our breath and see what happens with college football first. So transitioning back to college football. And this is this is actually I'm actually pretty excited about this because, like Derek said, we had to get creative to fill some content on today's show. So I'm sitting here this morning and I'm thinking, all right, what are we going to do? And then uh, I see that the SEC Network six year anniversary today, which is hard to believe that it's been six years since the network debuted. So I, I texted you, Derek, and I said, okay, I've got an idea. So we're going to since Kentucky has been on the SEC Network so much the last six years, we're only going to stay with football because basketball, it always seems like they're on ESPN, probably 90% of the games. We're going to rank and order our top five Kentucky football wins on the SEC network. And Derek, you, you've got, before we get into that, you've tweeted this in the past. Just talk about, I mean, it has been like every week Kentucky has been on the SEC network, but most of the time it's been in the primetime spot at 730 yeah, if you are a betting person and any time UK is playing an SEC football game, you should bet that they'll play at the 730 slot because it's like every game. Uh, <laughs> I don't have the exact – I guess I could think off the top of my head. It seems like every big game has, has been 730 SEC network. But, no, I tweeted, I think, last fall that they have not played any home games uh, at noon since the stadium became known as Kroger Field, which I believe was prior to the 2015 season, I think. I know they did the stadium renovation the first year that that was renovated was 2015. I can't remember Kroger Field. I guess it was – no, because it was like new Commonwealth Stadium for that one 20, year. Remember that? 2017 was the first year, Kroger Field. Because oh, I remember okay. so, Stephen, Stephen Johnson's junior year, they were still Commonwealth Stadium. Because I remember my first year on the UK beat, they changed it to Kroger Field. Gotcha. Okay. So, um, my tweet might have been a little – should have clarified it because it was basically since the stadium was renovated, they've not played at, at noon. They've not played one since no, I think it said November 8th, 2014 was against Georgia. I think that was for home or away. They've not played an uh, SEC game at noon. So no, and it's been a long like, time. Yeah. And like you said, the only team that they've played at noon on the SEC network has been Louisville mm-hmm. at home. That's the only team. Toledo and, and or was that on? Yeah. The, I think that was SEC network last year. One of those games, but. They don't really play noon games, and I know there's the SEC alternate channel. I think they might have played EKU on it one year. Um, last year, I don't remember who they played. Uh, UT Martin, that was a that was an afternoon game, wasn't it? I, I thought that was like a, a lock to be a noon game against UT Martin, and then no, nah, nah, it was a 4.30 or whatever. But 
now if you want to get in i guess the way we can do this i'll uh we'll start from fifth and go down to first and i'll go ahead and start with mine for the fifth team i picked i picked the tennessee game in 2017 um not a great tennessee team by any means actually maybe the worst tennessee team ever went 0 and 8 in the sec i think that was the first time they'd ever done that but it was an exciting game for one uk turned it over four times fumbled the ball four times uh yet still won against Tennessee on a Steven Johnson uh, diving touchdown, I think, in the final minute of the game. So for those of us who are of a certain age, which would include you, it's only the second time they'd ever beat Tennessee in our lifetime. So I think for fans around our age, that, that probably, even though the team was bad, Tennessee was bad, it still means a lot anytime you beat Tennessee. And it was an exciting game, so that's, that's how I made my top five. So, so you want me to give my number five? So Go you ahead, give yeah. your number five. Well, I'm I'm staying the same. Uh, Tennessee in seventeen is my number five. Uh, Steven Johnson, you know, flying through the end zone. Who my my podcast co-host partner on the uh, now it's between two athletes podcast. Uh, really, you know that like you said, they two times in my lifetime that Kentucky's beaten Tennessee and. I, I don't know how you couldn't have that one in your top five from an SEC Network game, a, a game, an ending, a drive at the end of the game. Uh, what, how was the setup? That was that the game. Stephen got hurt, right? Yeah, in the third quarter. And yeah, and fumbled, and things things yeah. looked like it was going to go off the rails. And I mean, he just. Here's the thing, Derek. In that situation against Tennessee, over the course of what my entire lifetime, how many times have they been inside the ten yard line with a chance to win the game, and it's gone the other direction? I mean, every other time but that time. <laughs> I mean, we can think back to last year. So, Tennessee, 17, that is my number five as well. Fourth, uh, and we didn't – we talked about some of these. Hopefully not all of ours are the same. I think there will probably be some different ones. But fourth, I had South Carolina in 2014. And uh, that was obviously the first year of the network. Uh, it was a game I actually went back and watched earlier uh, during quarantine. Steve Spurrier – Maybe one of the worst games I've seen him manage against Kentucky. Uh, Mike Davis, I think, ran for over 200 yards or close to it. UK could not stop him at all, yet Steve Spurrier was hell-bent on just throwing the football and allowed UK to come back. It was a really impressive comeback. I think UK was on 14 multiple times in that game. Bud Dupree gets the big interception at the end of the game, and really at that time it was the signature win for Stoops. Uh, turned out to not be a great South Carolina team, but uh, it was only at that point only the second time they'd ever beaten Spurrier. And South Carolina was coming off a run. I think maybe in 13 they took a step back. But from, I think, 2010 to 2012, they were winning like 11 games a year. So they were still considered at that time one of the better teams in the SEC East. And Stoops got his big win. And it was an exciting game uh, to, to come back and to intercept the ball like that. Actually, I think it was one of the last games I watched as a, as a student in the stands at UK because the next season I was covering. I think Georgia might have been the last home game. But – so I still have memories of that game from, from being in the stands and being a student at UK, watching it with my brother. So some fond memories, I guess, of that game. And we are different uh, because yes. of one because of one change I, I made literally right in the middle of us recording. I was going to go South Carolina 14, but surprisingly that one's not even in my top five. I flipped and I picked the Arkansas game from this past year with Lynn Bowden's first game playing quarterback. And here's why. If that game doesn't go in favor of Kentucky, what does last season look like? I mean, would they have made the switch to someone else at quarterback after that game if they had lost? I, I don't know. Or, 
I don't know. They might have only won three games last year, Derek, because it's untelling where that team would have been after that. So it I really look, does almost feel like a once in a lifetime kind of thing that happened last season for all of that to work out as well as it did. Yeah. And then here's the reason why I didn't throw 14 into mine. I felt like that that was the one positive thing that happened in the first few years of the Stoops era, but it still felt like that he wouldn't have been fired if that win hadn't have been there. So. No. So I just I took that one out because it just feels like the direction of the program. What happened last season was very important coming off a ten and three season to go eight and five. And I think it all started with that Arkansas win. So I, I threw that in four. So we are different. That is good. We didn't have the same ones. So that's my number four. And I, I mean what he ran for 196 yards that night, Lynn Bowden did. I mean just also, uh, I watched that one not too long ago too. It seemed like they were committed to passing the ball more that game than what they turned they out to be during the year. Which was a little odd because it was his first time, and maybe, maybe it caught Arkansas by surprise more. But really, didn't see too many strong passing games after that. I mean, the next week at Georgia, it was a rainstorm. They should have done a touchdown pass so to Chris Rodriguez. He bicycle kicked the ball out of the end zone. But uh, my third, and this might be our, our last three, might be the same. I, I don't know. I, I had Missouri 2018. Was that yours? It's not. It's not okay. So I had Missouri 2018, and this game. I was really only in it because of the ending because it was truly a pretty bad football game up until – well, it was a weird game because, one, the most impressive – one of the most impressive things I've ever seen from the U.K. football team was hold that Missouri offense to zero first downs in the second half. A truly incredible defensive performance that game. Uh, you might not see that again at U.K. That was just remarkable. And they needed to do that because the offense was – terrible most of the day I think they played three quarterbacks that day Danny Clark even got in ran the ball one play so Terry all three didn't they all three turn it over (laughs) all three quarterbacks at one point I can't remember if Gunner did I just remember Gunner kind of throwing screen passes not doing a whole lot but Terry did come back through an interception but uh led the team down and obviously CJ Conrad catches it and really I don't remember UK it's like they finally caught a break I mean it was it was a questionable a controversial <laughs> for sure, pass interference on a Mod Wagner. UK took advantage of it, though, and those are the breaks that, being real, I don't think you see UK ch- catch a ton of breaks like that over the course of their history. And they did that game, and they took advantage of it. CJ Conrad catches the game winning touchdown pass. And f- mostly, I mean, it was a crazy finish, but really it's what it set up after that to be in a spot where you could play Georgia the next week for a spot in Atlanta. Obviously, UK was was thoroughly handled by the Bulldogs that next week. But the lead up to that game and just uh, the national attention that came on UK that week I thought was huge for the football program. And go ahead and give your number two, and then I'll go three-two as well. That way, because okay. they're going to be the same, just flipped. Yeah, I had Mississippi State 2016, the, the game-winning Austin McGinnis kick is probably, you know, I think it's a solid number two. Um, yeah. You can go ahead and give your two. Yeah, and I flipped them. So I went Mississippi State 2016, the Austin McGinnis kick at three. And, I mean, I'm, I'm glad. I think we needed to be different with this because I think that's just uh, – that's the beauty of this well, podcast. number one is a lot. Here. Uh, it is. So yeah. Mississippi State 2016-3. And then I did Missouri 2018 at two. And the only reason I did that is just because of where the season ended with 10-3, and three, a Citrus Bowl win. Had Kentucky lost that game. The next week against Georgia, even though they lost it, it wouldn't have had the magnitude of that game. So SEC Nation in town with a chance to win the SEC East. The stadium was buzzing. I mean, the whole entire Commonwealth was buzzing that week. Kentucky 7-1. and 
So if they had lost that game, they would have had that loss, Georgia loss, and then we knew that they were going to go to Tennessee and lose. They'd had a three-game losing streak right in the heart of that special season. So I, I think that's why I, I flipped them, just because it felt like that, you know, that 10-3 and three season just stands out, that people now know that, hey, Kentucky can win 10 games. So that's why I flipped them. But the same reason you put them at number two, Mississippi State, I mean, save the program. So it's – there's so many – key turning points in inside of these five games really you could take out Tennessee I think but the other four just yeah, the way I agree with that just the way that it feels that those were the games that you're like all right you know you're digging your heels in now and you're doing something and then number one of course I think we can both just agree it's Florida in two, 2018 and I Derek I know you and I sat next to each other that night in the press box uh, we actually social distance though, because there was a seat in between all of us, I'm pretty sure, because there wasn't many of us there covering from the UKB. No, there, no, there wasn't. So, oh. and I, I remember you looking at me, though, and it was late in the game, and Florida scored, and you said, there, it's going to happen again. Is it? And well, I just – and I felt the same way. It was unbelievable. It was unbelievable how, like, how close the, the game the year before had played out, like, the same way. The score, I think, was even the same, or, like, around the same, and Darius West got an interception, like, at around the same time. In both returned games. it, returned it to the same almost exact yard yeah. line as he did so, the year before. Well, it was just lined up perfectly because UK really they didn't take advantage of the interception. They were up twenty-one ten. They get a pick in the fourth quarter. I don't remember what happened, but I know they did pin them very deep. And then Florida goes on a ninety-nine yard drive, and it's just like I think they converted multiple fourth downs on that drive, and it's just like this is setting up to where they're going to lose another heartbreaker but they didn't I mean Bunchy Stallings I think probably became an All-American solely because of the one block that he had in the Florida game it was sprung Benny Snell and kept that drive going and uh, they managed the clock perfect um, Florida only had two plays and of course score ends up looking better because Devontae Robinson scores at the end of the game but I mean if you wanted to do a, a top five heartbreaking on the SEC network I think you'd probably fill it out all the Florida games Florida. and then yeah. a couple of Tennessee like 2014 triple overtime loss was on SEC network I think – well, last year's game wasn't, though. I was, that was a, Did you feel like last year's Florida game maybe didn't hurt fans as much because they had beaten Florida the year before? Because that was a pretty tough way to lose last year. I mean, you have your backup quarterback in and you miss a game. One, you blow a fourth-quarter lead, which is an 11-point lead. It wasn't a crazy huge lead. And then you miss a field goal at the end of the game. I mean, that's a tough way to lose. Well, let's put it this way. It was the scenario that has played out so many times at Kentucky fans with a backup quarterback coming in and then Florida being there. If if the win in 18 hadn't have happened, I don't even know if the stadium would be standing today because I think that that would have been – it would have been, been brutal. Yeah. So, it's a good – good and I think that's the thing, too. That And then the, last year ended on a positive note. It was a good season given the circumstances, you know, eight and five. Uh, but that win in Gainesville in 2018, Derek, since I've been on the UK beat, like that's one of the nights that I think will stand out for the rest of my life just because you could feel – like we went, we had to cross the field to go to the interviews and you could just feel the emotion. I mean, for kids that grew up, a lot of those kids didn't even know the UK Florida series and you know, the street, but you could just feel it coming out of like that entire, like 30 years of frustration right there on the field and seeing the emotion on Stoops face. I mean, that was uh that's clearly number one. That should be number one on If anybody puts something ahead of that, then I don't even know. They're just wanting to be different. I mean, that game, I think, Obviously, I think Stoops said all the things he had to say in press conferences, but just his comments to the team and things like that. I mean, you knew that that really weighed him down a lot because they had played Florida. You can argue this, 
I, I seriously think you can argue they should. Have, they could at least be five hundred against, or I guess they can't because it's only been seven. They could have a winning record against Florida in the Stoops. Yeah, but to beat them in fourteen, fifteen, I'm a little indifferent on. It was a close game, but I don't think UK ever. They didn't lead, and I don't know that they really played a great game. Sixteen, they got destroyed. But every year after that, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, UK could have won three in a row. Um, I I feel like they've maybe been should the better. have won three in a row. Well, that's what I was about to say. I I feel like they've been the better team the last three times they've lined up on the field. If you, I mean, they've they've certainly won more quarters. Like for three quarters in all three of those games, well, the one at Florida they were better for all four, but the other two they were better for three quarters. I mean, yeah. they built double digit leads in all three of them, which is kind of all to think about. So hopefully we play and we get to see that game again this season. I'm I mean I think that we can. Honestly, given that history of that series, I think you can just about bank on it being a close game. I mean, I, I also felt like in 18, what it did, not only to, to beat them, but it felt like it opened things up in the league and made it feel like they could believe that they could compete. When you beat one of the best teams in your division, and, you know, it turned out that year, 2018 was a it was an incredible season. I don't want to take anything away from it. The defense was spectacular. It wasn't. I guess I'm trying to say is I think they can have seasons better than that, if that makes sense. Even if the even if the win loss record isn't significantly better, because it's hard to I mean, if you get to ten wins, it's really hard to get more wins than that. I mean, the top teams are gonna win fourteen or fifteen, but not a ton of teams win more than ten games. But they had some stretches of that season where A and M they didn't look very good. Vanderbilt, they didn't look very good at all. I think that game was seven seven most of the time. Missouri for most of the night they struggled. Tennessee, they got beat down so they had some great moments that year there's no question about it and beating Penn State was was a great way to end that season but I think in the future I wouldn't put a cap on that 2018 season being the best that it could ever be that makes sense and if you're listening to this podcast that should actually get you pretty fired up I mean if you because I agree with everything you said when you just look at 10 and 3 it's 10 and 3 but when you dive into it it looks a lot different I mean, there's, there's a, they can play better football than what they did that oh, yeah. year, I think. And, and I think that, too, that the talent at Kentucky, the way, the way the Stoops is recruiting, I mean, we don't know what the future holds. If they get to play this season, I mean, this is obviously one of the most talented rosters they've ever had at UK, and hopefully they get to play a 10-game season because I'm excited to see, you know, what they do. But, uh, Derek, I, I think we did well with that. I, I think people will enjoy that. And if you're listening to this, Rank them. DM me or tweet at me. Tweet at Derek and let, let's let's hear your five and and encourage them to be different. Like somebody's going to be like, well, Sean, why'd you put Missouri at number two or you know why's this one at number four? I mean, it, it's all different. Like you people that were in the stands the night they beat South Carolina in fourteen, you might put that number one just because you experienced it, and that's the that's the cool thing about it. So. I have some Let's, people who absolutely hate Tennessee who put that who puts that one even higher. <laughs> yeah, especially people that live in the 606 where we're from. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the rivalry in the, that part of the state. So, yeah, just uh, tweet at us and let us know your top five games. If you have one that's not in that top five, throw it in there. Because uh, there's so many games, you know, over the last six years that really have influenced the direction of this program. And uh, they've let some slip away which would be an entirely different episode, but it'd be all negative. So we'll, I guess we'll stay away from that one, Derek, because we don't want our ratings to go down, uh, especially in a time where people are looking for some positive news to listen to. I don't know how everybody is. I feel like, even as a Reds fan, I feel like some of those tough losses, unfortunately, maybe they stick with you more than some of the great wins do. So That's that's a good point. And And sometimes you lose a game that's a heartbreaker, but sometimes you play a good game. I mean, I, I think about when I was growing up, 08 Georgia. 
Kentucky lost that game. I thought it was a, a great football game, though. It was a great SEC game. UK was obviously the underdog facing Matt Stafford and no Sean Moreno and A.J. Green. But you had a freshman quarterback, Randall Cobb, like keeping UK in it. And it was just a really fun game. And they lost. But at the same time, it was – it was uh, to me, like, it was, it was a good memory. I mean, even though that they, they didn't win. I agree with you because I actually texted you a few weeks ago. I watched, like, five straight UK games on YouTube, and it, they were all heartbreaking losses. And I don't know why, but they were good games. And that Georgia game you're talking about was one of them. Uh, Tennessee overtimes in 07. The, well, I mean, two over, three overtimes? Two overtimes? Four. four that's right. Four. Because they the two-point conversion. That's right. So, I watched a lot of those just going back and, and everything. And before we, before we close the episode, Derek, uh, I want to send our condolences to the family of Quentin McCord, former UK wide receiver who played – in the late nineties. And then 2000 was his final year at Kentucky with Jared Lorenz. And um, that's two guys from that 2000 team that are gone way too soon. Uh, I think Quentin was 42. Is that 42, somewhere yeah. through there? I know you didn't get to, I don't, you don't remember don't Quentin know. McCord. You're, you're younger than me, but those were my early days of UK football. My first game that I attended was in 2000 when Kentucky played Indiana. And I remember Quentin McCord on that team, uh, he was a target of Tim Couch. There, you go back and watch uh, Kentucky football from 98, specifically the LSU game that they won in Baton Rouge. Quentin McCord took an end around that set up the game-winning field goal from Seth Hansen. So uh, just want to send our condolences to them and, you know, his teammates, friends. We don't know the details, but we don't need to. It's just uh, just tragic news. And hopefully uh, – Hopefully we don't have any more from that group. I mean, that's that's pretty wild to lose two within what a year. I mean, Jared Lorenzo and Quentin McCord. So yeah, Jared. so uh, just some sad news around the UK program. So we just wanted to send our condolences out to the McCord family and uh, just prayers and positive thoughts their way. Yeah, totally agree. I mean, on the field, I saw he still has a single season record: seventeen point eight yards per reception. Still number one and. Some some terrible news. I mean, 2000 is – I'm sure you remember that year pretty well, right? I mean, it's only been 20 years. So, um, but I guess one last thing, Sean, before we go for UK basketball recruiting news. Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee did commit to the Vols today. At one, it was widely respected that he was going to be going to Tennessee. But another – I think it's good to see talent landing in the SEC, though. I mean, I think the SEC basketball landscape is really – They've made some really good hires, I think, over the last five, six years. And you're seeing more and more five-star kids every year playing the league. Yeah, and that shouldn't be taken as a negative from the Kentucky side of things because I I think Kentucky has known for a while. I think that they've known that that's going to be the outcome of that recruitment. I think that's, like you said, as early as April, I think, was when that was really trending in that direction. Uh, And then it picked up specifically late June, July with the crystal balls rolling towards Tennessee. But Kentucky has their eye on some other guys with uh, with that class, with Hardy. And then, uh, two, we still don't know what Scott Clark – I know he said multiple times that he won't reclass, but I still think that there's a possibility that he reclasses uh, 221 when it comes down to it. I mean, we heard the same thing with Devin Askew last year. So, I mean, I don't want to sit here and say that I know what a kid's going to do, but Kentucky has a plan. Cal has a plan, and there's some guards there that, you know, he's going to look at, and Kentucky will be just fine. They'll get They'll land a point guard that is really good. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, for for the league, though, I mean, UK's losing a significant turnover, but you look at, like, Tennessee this year, 
I would argue they're probably the preseason favorite. Uh, no, I'm not saying by the end of the year that UK won't. I think UK will have the most talented team if Sar is eligible. But Tennessee returns a lot of production, and they had two five stars this year uh, on the roster that are coming in to be freshmen. I don't know what those kids are going to have to do with the NBA after this year, but I mean, there's a chance next year Tennessee could have four or four stars, or five stars, excuse me, four or five stars on its roster. And to me, that's a, I mean, that's, that's a great job by Rick Barnes. I don't know if Tennessee's ever had that. I mean, on one team, they've probably not had many five stars, period. You know, Tobias Harris, some guys uh, under Bruce Pearl in the mid 2000s were some highly rated guys. But besides that, they went through a downturn where they weren't signing any kids who were elite recruits at all. And these last three classes, they've done that. Yeah, it's definitely good for the league. That's uh, going to mean good basketball in the SEC whenever, whenever we get back to that point of being able to play uh, basketball in the SEC. But, yeah, so that's uh, another sort of a jam-packed episode, honestly, with not a ton of news, but we turned it into a solid episode. We went longer than we planned, but I guess when we get off to some things that we're enjoying, it's uh, kind of interesting to see which direction we take some of these thoughts. I was making sure I saw Ross tweet something about the SEC just now, and I didn't want to want to make sure we didn't get anything out there if we missed. So it says here the SEC's advisory board hasn't approved for a season to start. Did you pull that up? Did you see that? Yeah, I'll see that right now. It says that's okay. It says SEC, Dr. Catherine O'Neill, it doesn't play for six weeks. So once again, we're preaching patience. Yeah. So I haven't opened the story, but – you know, it sounds like, you know, the, the SEC from top to bottom. It seems like Greg Sankey's message has been patience, and it seems like it's one of those things where nobody's willing to rush a decision. Uh, but, Derek, there'll be a ton of news to talk about next week, hopefully. I'm sure some things will break over the weekend that we'll get to next week. And um, if there is football, hopefully we get a schedule to talk about. That way we can start talking about football until, for some reason, there isn't football. I think that that's something we've agreed on. We will talk about it until there's not football. Uh, but this has been another episode of Kentucky Daily. Please subscribe. Leave us a review. Uh, tell tell Derek what you like about him. Tell me what you hate about me if you have to. I don't care. Just leave us a review and a subscription. Uh, as always, thank you all so much for listening. It, it means the world to both of us that you all are following us on this journey. And hopefully we can give you some good daily content on Kentucky Daily. But this has been Episode 5. We'll see you next week. Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts.